Welcome to a podcast about wealth and life. We all know that our finances play a big part in how we live our lives. In this podcast, the advisors from Foster and Motley share insights and information about investment and financial planning topics and how they connect to your life. Peanut butter and jelly, Bert and Ernie, Laverne and Shirley, Foster and Motley. For more than a year, the financial planners and investment managers at Foster and Motley have shared their knowledge and insights on this podcast. But how did the firm come to be? I'm Patrice Sikora, and with me are Dave Foster and Mark Motley. Yes, the Foster and the Motley. They do exist. And gentlemen, i got to say, it's really Not wonderful. <laughs> Good it's to be here. It's wonderful to have you here. Now, how long have you guys known each other? That long, huh? Since 91? Hard to do the math. What is that, 32 think, years? I think it's, yeah. Wow. Mark, you get to, to tee it off here. How did how'd you get into finance? Did you always want to do that? No, I stumbled into it because I didn't know what I wanted to study. And I thought I needed to be as broad as possible. So I got into business generally. But then in the course of that, I took some investment courses and got very interested in that. And so it was really school that helped me find it. And where did you start out? I, I worked for a, a bank trust department in Lexington, Kentucky for six or seven years, maybe six mm -hmm. in, in the eighties, mid late eighties. And it was a uh, very different environment than we have today. When I first started, we had no PC desktop computers. <laughs> we had terminals to the mainframe or probably mid range, mid frame computer, but and there was one PC in a common area, but within a year or so we had PCs, but this is such a technology driven business today, it's, it's remarkable how uh, backward we were technology-wise in <laughs> 1983 or 82, whatever it was. Yeah, it wasn't backward at that time, though. I no, mean, no. Today, it just wasn't there. But yeah. so many developments have occurred in such a short amount of time. Yeah. Was anyone in your family in finance that no. might have sparked this? No? It's always interesting. There's something challenging and interesting every minute, um, it seems like. Uh, and so it's, it's always been a fascinating to me because of that, if nothing else. All right. Dave, though, you have a different story here. You really <laughs> loved the finance. <laughs> That's true. It started early with a 3M bookshelf game that we had in our house. I was the youngest of five kids, and we had this game called Stocks and Bonds. And I love that game and made my older siblings play with me till they were sick and tired of it. Yeah. I love that game and kind of always knew I wanted to go into business, went to college, studied accounting, ended up working for public accounting firms and gravitated towards the tax world and eventually just knew I wanted to give people advice on financial planning. And for a number of reasons, you just couldn't do that in the public accounting environment back in the late 80s. They were worried about SEC regulation and how much you could say and couldn't say. And so I left and started my own firm at the end of 1989 just to do financial planning for people. So that's my story. All by your lonesome? All by my lonesome. Wow. How mm -hmm. long did that last? Really till Mark and I got to go well, out. I had employees, but in terms right. of a partner, I wasn't told. Yeah. So I think maybe about nine months in, I hired a, a part-time lady to help. And she worked with us for the next, till she retired. She was a great employee, great advisor. 
so yeah, I was really on my own until what the end of '96 when Mark and I decided to throw our hats in together. And there were two part-time employees there. Mm-hmm. They'd worked for you before. Yeah. yeah. What What prompted you to say, okay, let's do our own business? Mm-hmm. So uh, I had moved to Cincinnati, left the bank to join Rich Investment Advisor. After six or so years there, they sold to a brokerage firm. They had some brokerage connection. They originally started as a broker. And that the world's been moving away from brokers towards right. investment advisors for years. That seemed like a backward direction to me. So I left and hung out my own shingle. And Dave and I had known each other for a few years prior to that point. But I was just in a temporary office space downtown. And then Dave had been sharing space with two other firms. He can elaborate on that a little, you know, unique arrangement. And uh, in one of those other two guys, he was by himself, took a job with a firm, pretty established firm in Columbus. And so he had some office space to sublease essentially. And it was about a mile from my house. Dave knew me and contacted me. And, and so that made perfect sense. And then we began immediately to talk about doing more cross referrals than we'd done before. Although we knew each other and had done that. And, uh, and then it quickly jumped into, we really ought to look at, at a you know, merger of these two um, very complementary disciplines. And wealth management didn't really, it barely existed. I think it maybe had the name existed, but it wasn't widespread then. And so we can't claim that we had some great vision that, oh, this is the way we ought to do it. But when it sort of, when we stumbled into it <laughs> through uh, office space issues, <laughs> then we, we at least had, we give ourselves the credit. They really saw that the light bulb went off. Oh, this really makes sense. Now you mentioned complementary businesses. What exactly does each of you do? Or did you do at the time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, very simply to answer that question, I do financial planning, helping people with decisions about cash flow and college and estate and tax planning and investments. I understood and knew asset allocation and broad categories, but I wasn't going to help people pick and choose stocks and bonds and that sort of thing. That's a whole nother skill set and requires eight hours a day. My job required eight, whatever. Whereas Mark is an investment professional and loves diving into the details behind bonds and stocks and why this one and why that one, what makes a good investment. Yeah. They're very different, but totally complimentary. Now you had this empty space here, this desk. What made you reach out to Mark? Why Mark? Yeah, we we had met sometime at I think at a NAPFA conference or maybe before that, I don't know, in the early 90s. And oh, and I also had some a couple of clients that used their investment advisory firm, the firm that Mark worked at. And then we actually had a mutual client. I had a client that ended up hiring Mark and another professional there. So we just we had I think contact. that was a referral from you. Yeah, 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 I think it was, but it was the, the attorney was involved. We had contact. In fact, Patrice, this morning, I found a note where I had set up a little business advisory panel with three people that I respected and trusted in the community. And one was Mark. Another was an attorney and another was a, a friend of mine from college who was a, a astute business person. So I, from 1992, I found a, a memo where I was setting up our first meeting. So, so and obviously, that, was the day of that 92. Yeah, it was October okay. 92. Um, so obviously, I had a, a lot of respect for what Mark did at that point in time, and then we just kind of kept running into each other at different 
conferences and other things. So and it was in 96 that I actually moved into that space. It was a mile from my house and I would walk to work most days. And, and for several years we were there. And in fact, if I needed a car to, for a luncheon downtown or whatever, I might um, talk to Dave about borrowing his car when I, <laughs> when I walked very often through that period. And you Have were you over, had, a, go ahead. I was just going to say, you had to know how to drive a standard uh, shift if you were going to borrow my car back then. <laughs> Best cars. Nobody can steal them. Exactly. You're safe. You're safe. So you were over a fifth, third bank branch. Yeah, it was actually North North Cincinnati Building and Savings Loan before it was acquired by Fifth Third. So it was a ah. it was just a local savings and loan in the beginning. Okay. Yeah. It was Fifth Third by the time I got there. We uh, had half of the second floor, mm -hmm. and that was split up um, by originally three, and then when Dave and I got together, it was two firms split that space. Mm -hmm. And we got tight. We grew and they grew and we liked the location a lot and we were hoping they were going to move. And I think that the same was, you know, on the other side and we reached Wayne to see who's going to blink first to finally they moved out. And, and uh, so some of the other folks that uh, Dave actually had an office at one end and I had an office at the other, but there were several folks that were crammed into this common area in the middle. And some of them uh, have stories about sharing offices when they first, you know, came because uh, we were there. Hmm. A few years, say, can you recall? Yeah, at least four or five. I mean, four I was there longer yeah. than that, probably. But yeah. So a little bit of the background on that, just real quick. Yeah. I was very briefly in subleasing from an accountant friend of mine. And then I met these two other guys who were both solo planners, just like me, fee only. And we decided to rent space together. We were friendly competitors, mm -hmm. but... But back then, like Mark talked about, you had to pay for subscriptions of hard copy and all this kind of stuff. And there's no reason for one person to buy that. We would share it among the three of us. We shared a lot of periodicals and a lot of services that were expensive for solo new practitioners. So anyway, the three of us shared office space for several years. And then like Mark said, one of the gentlemen moved up to Columbus and I've stayed pretty much friends with all of them for a long time. Yeah. We'd see them at conferences often and they've all done well, but it was fun. And we, every now and then we had tricky issue where a potential client would show up interviewing one of them down ooh, the hall ooh. and then <laughs> us down the other hall, yeah. <laughs> so, but it was fine. It was really good. We never, it was, it was always like, Hey, whoever they choose, that must be the right decision for them. It was not a big deal. And I think it only really happened once that we knew about where the same day they came in, talked to one of the gentlemen, left our office, came back, talked to us. It's funny. They were back to back though, right? They were back Those to interviews, back, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. We shared, the receptionist was shared along with copy mm -hmm. machine, fax, and all that. Oh, all that stuff. How can I put this nicely? How long did it take <laughs> the two of you to really mesh? Did you have issues coming together for the first time? in an office? So mm -hmm. we were, I moved in there in, I think it was April 1st. It might've been March 1st, um, but it was probably January when we knew it was going to happen. I, we just had to, I had a, some time to get uh, out of the other commitment. And so through most of 1996, I was still a separate firm. We were sharing space, but we were talking about, we knew before I moved in, we walked through the, that we wanted to 
to explore the merging. And so we got together, was it every other week, Dave? Is that sound right it's pretty often uh, we had on the calendar uh blocked out a couple of hours or hour and a half at the end of the day on whatever wednesday or whatever it was every other week or, or at some frequency just to talk about the big picture items and we we didn't have any urgency or didn't feel any pace to the pace pressure if you will until the calendar flipped over to and suddenly we were in october and realized, wait a minute, if we're going to do this, we really ought to do it from January 1st. So we're not running sort of two sets of books. And so at that point, we scrambled to make it happen by the end of the year. So we were, we had no, no sense of urgency until we did. And then we <laughs> rushed. Yeah. So we, the Foster Motley was formed from technically formed in, in late 96, but it opened, it was open for business at, at the beginning of 97. How did you decide on staffing? Hmm. We, the staff that we had was the, the two that had worked for Dave before. That was initially. And then I don't know when we hired anybody else, but we pretty quickly decided we do need, well, growth was never a goal. And, and Dave sent out a letter and someone found a copy of this recently to the clients to to talk about encouraging them to, to stay, create this new firm, Foster Miley. And, uh, and he specifically said in there that we don't have any plans to become a billion dollar firm, right? you know, uh -huh. um, that we, we didn't. And we, we never through all the years, even to today, we've never had a growth goal. Okay. We've had different kinds of goals, but not a growth, not to be a certain size. And, uh, but we did decide pretty early on, I don't know how it hit us, but it was fairly early. We decided what we do is complimentary, but it is not. I can't serve as Dave's backup and he can't serve as my backup. We can't fill right. in for each other. And so we're too thin right now. We need to just for clients, continuity protection, we need to, to get to the point that we've got two professionals on each side, to, two portfolio managers, two financial planners. And so we fairly early set a goal for that. And that was our growth goal to, to grow staff to that point. Mm, yeah, I, I will say just going back to the, how did we mesh? We're both pretty careful, thoughtful people. So we spent a lot of time going through issues and looking at different mm -hmm. things. Neither one of us jumped into it without giving it a lot of thought. Again, the whole staffing thing, we've been really lucky. We had a couple missteps along the way, but we just, when we needed somebody, we started looking and a lot of times we were just asking friends or other people, did you know somebody or people we used to work with? And it, we've had a lot of good people who've come through the doors and are still here. Not me, I've retired, but <laughs> <laughs> other people. <laughs> so anyway. First professional hire was to fill in to help Dave. And he decided that we, it was, it was at that stage easier to hire someone part-time than full-time, but that was just the, the goal. So he thought maybe someone that, that was a CPA, but, maybe a mom and had the kids, and, but the kids are a little older and has time to work part-time, whatever. thought that might be. And someone that would help him with, with his taxes because uh, he still did a fair amount of tax work during tax season. And so we looked for that, a part-time CPA person that, that would be uh, open and, and interested in, to expand into financial planning. And we actually found two in that search that we were so impressed with them that we just hired both of them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we couldn't make a decision. Oh, yeah. And so that was our, still here. our first hire. 
And, yes. And one of them, Amy, is working. Yeah. Maybe not down the hall, but maybe she's at home today. But yeah. Yeah. You guys have been through some very historic moments in the markets and the economy. What are some that you remember and you really mm. have? What are some that you remember? Yeah. I, one that it sticks out in my mind, partly because it, this reminds me of it today, was Dave and I were doing a, a radio show, guest for a radio show locally. And On the Money was the name of it. Dave knew Chris Simeo, who ran it, good guy. And, and this was right in the height of the financial crisis, late 2008, okay. November, yeah. or something like that. It was a Friday, late morning. And the show was, it, 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 we'd been on it before and it, it was live before, but at this point it was taped and it played on Saturday. So we had to talk as if we were speaking live on Saturday, knowing what had happened the day before, but the day before was Friday. It was the Friday that Congress was meeting to decide on the big bailout, controversial bailout legislation and markets were hanging on every word. And I don't remember whether the first time passed or didn't. And the market was in 700 points on the Dow was a big, you know, bigger deal then than, yeah. than now. Anyway, it was one of the most volatile days in market history. And we were talking as if we were talking on Saturday, knowing what had happened. During, so that was an interesting uh, conversation to have. It worked out okay. I don't remember how, but, but it somehow did. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think 08, 09 was the most challenging time period of my career when it comes to dealing with and talking to clients. I, it was rough. There were times I drove home and I was wondering if the advice I was given was right. And I, I don't know that I had ever experienced that till then. I always felt a high level of conviction and diversification and discipline and stick with the in plan. There. And and now in the long run, I think again, sticking with all those convictions was the right thing to do. In hindsight, it was, but there were times I drove home wondering, man, am I telling these people the right thing? I don't know. It was crazy. There were so many doubts about, mm -hmm. is it all going to hang together or fall apart? Then? And this, the, this, as a business, this business goes in cycles and sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's really tough. And sometimes it's just sort of nonstop, tough, challenging conversations with clients who are very concerned. They're not upset with us, but they're just concerned about the world and really fearful. And that's when we help them the most in many ways. And they recognize and appreciate that, but it's still when a client is just ready to, to give up, I can't stand any more market pain. The, the uh, is silly and, and away from it, but in the minute that that's in that moment, that's just where they are. They so many, not all, but many say in a really severe market decline, the market has gone down by this much, and my portfolio has gone down by this much. And if that happens again, then I'm that's I can't do that. So I can't handle that. Therefore, I got to get out. And that's that's not a rational way to to think about the world, but it's natural. And in some cases, so there are, there were times along the way and will be in the future and those tough times for clients. And that's, those are certainly memorable. Some of the other memorable times that aren't market related were the different offices. We doubled our space in the same place when the other firm moved out. That was the one. And then we moved to 
another building in Madeira and that, I don't know, doubled the space, I think. And then we had an opportunity to take different space in the same building and, and doubled again. And then we, so there've been several, and then we moved to this space and that was over 10 years ago. And then we expanded here um, last year, two years ago. And so the one, one of the sort of ways to keep track of it is, is where we were along the way in, in terms of space and, and people. And it's certainly um, grown a lot in terms of people and, and clients we serve. We didn't ever plan on that or, or, or uh, design it really. It just sort of happened. How about technology? How have you dealt with that? Mm. That's been a huge change. <laughs> I mentioned a, a little bit about the lack of that when, uh, when I first started back at, at a bank in, in the eighties, uh, uh, early eighties, mid the, uh, Portfolios were very simple then. No international stocks, no small stocks. There was 20 usually large companies and, and some investment grade municipal long-term municipal bonds. And that was it, two, two asset classes, well, cash. And that was what we could do with the, what was available. Things have, have really changed. I, the, the one aspect of technology that in some ways we're most fortunate about is that not too long before COVID, so much of what we did migrated to the cloud. And so we had many of the, the various platforms we work on weren't on our server, they were on the cloud. And then we, we migrated from desktops to laptops for the professionals. And so we take home and work. And we, we worked through the networking issues largely, but, and that was pre-COVID. And if COVID had hit maybe two years earlier, we and a lot of other folks would have been really challenged in terms of the technology, but as it was really smooth, we got a few extra, several extra monitors for people to set up dual monitors at home. And we had to upgrade a few internet connections and things like that. But other than that, within it's at some level immediately, but really smoothly within four to six weeks after shutting things down with COVID, we were in, in pretty much as good a shape working remotely as, as in the office technology wise. And, and that would not have been, we stumbled into being ready for that. Mm -hmm. And that we would not have been two years previous. I'm, I'm pretty confident. And it's pretty amazing for a, an industry that kept saying, we have to be in the office. We have to go see our clients. We cannot work from home. That change of mindset. Yes, it was yeah. necessary, but that's dramatic. Very much. So. Although we could keep it going, but I don't think we could thrive indefinitely being remote. Some things that we need to do really involve collaboration, and that is much better in person. Than, so we can keep the maintenance, the basic things going, but some of the development, some of the, the idea part of the business really needs to have people interacting, I think. We had some good help along the way, for sure. We, we hired a, oh, yeah. a guy, Joe, who was our outside chief technology officer, and he was by our side for years and years. Did all Early years. on... We had to figure out the technology. I remember going to conferences and looking at uh, storage technology and client relationship management software. And we were the ones who did that and came back. But I don't know how long Joe worked with us. Do you remember when we had that Many ice years. storm or something? Oh, he yeah. actually took all of our stuff, like the power to was his out house. of our building. 
to his house. He took a hit and he reset up our whole server in his house and we were working and he has three little kids at this point in time. Yeah. And we're over there working in his dining room with our all server. of us so it was crazy. around, a, around yeah. the, the uh, Ireland in the middle. Of, yeah, we, it was, yeah, it was Hurricane time. Ike, I think was the name of it. That was went through the Gulf. It was in the spring, it was a strange time of year for Hurricane. And I think that was the one. Anyway, it came up from the Gulf, and but it was a pretty strong storm that blew through here, and we were out of power for days, days um, at yeah. the office. Oh, six four. days, seven days, yeah, yeah, maybe more, yeah, yeah. Wow, we weren't as well set up to work remotely then. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like I'll bet you the coffee was better. <laughs> I'm a tea drinker. <laughs> all right, all right, gentlemen. Before we wrap this up, I want to ask each of you. Is there one thing you've always wanted to say to the other? What would mm -hmm. it be? Put us on the spot there. Yeah, I think well, we've, we've said some of it, you know, in terms of, I don't know. The one thing I've said before, like when we were getting together, I was like, okay, I haven't worked beside this guy, but I know he's smart. I know he's ethical. I know he's honest. I know he keeps the client's best interests at heart. I thought all that in 1996 when we were kicking the tires and nothing ever changed to dissuade me from any of those things. They were all true, still true. Mark's heard me say that before, but it's the truth. And I was pretty lucky to, to be part of that. I, I had the opportunity to say a few words at our Christmas party on the end of the year when Dave was retiring. It was a few words about Dave. It was brief, but very carefully prepared and was able to say, you know, what I wanted to say then. And I don't, I think it was, I think it was good. I don't remember any of the words right now. It was too long for this podcast. <laughs> it was too long. <laughs> it wasn't long, but, it, but basically it was just what a fine person Dave is at every level, not just a business person to work with, but in just a good heart and totally honest and no one's ever, um, gone wrong by trusting Dave and, and none of those words were in there, but that, all that sentiment was. And, and so I actually had a chance to say that to him before. All right. Dave Foster, Mark Motley, thank you so much for sharing this time. For Cheers, the latest episode of Foster and Motley's podcast about life and wealth, follow this podcast and share with others. I'm Patrice Sikora, and gentlemen, this really was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to Foster and Motley, a podcast about wealth and life click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information discussed and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Foster and Motley. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions regarding your financial planning and investments. Foster & Motley is not affiliated with any third-party providers. Any mention of a third-party provider does not imply an endorsement of that provider. If you decide to utilize a third-party provider, you do so at your own risk. <laughs>